Alright, we are back with the Wild Times episode number 17? Wild Times. By the way, if it was $31 million, this would be like the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd be sewing a kitten's head onto the camel's <laughs> neck. Are you shitting yeah. me? Man, 17 of these. That is 17 hours of my life that I have spent online at this point with uh, two of my favorite people. Ooh. Mr. Uh, Patrick DeLuca. How you doing, Pat? Good, man. Uh, real good. I want to talk about something as soon as you introduce this other fuck. Okay, Whoa. I will get to him. And Mr. Patrick DeLuca, of course, uh, growing his hair out, dripping, uh, drinking a glass of wine. World-class road traveler. Just drove back from the East Coast all the way to his living room for the Wild Times podcast. Yep. And joining Patrick and I... Mr. Peter Fitzer, a.k.a. The Professor. What's up, bro? Oh, yeah. Good evening, fellas. Happy to be here. Happy to see your beautiful faces. Fuck off, Pat. Mm. Let's get into it. What is it? It sounds exciting. I'm edging my seat here, guy. <laughs> we all live in, we all live in uh, California. I looked at our listenership. It looks like about 15% of our listeners are also in California, so I don't want to alienate okay. the other 85%. But <laughs> oh my God. So we drove from LA to upstate New York and back, took the southern route there and the northern route back. So we hit 23 states or 22 states. Wow. Right? That's a lot of states. There's, yeah. only, there's only one state in the entire country where – you can drive the entirety of the state and the roads are, it's like, it's like a fucking war zone on the roads, not because of the traffic. <laughs> Dude, the lines are double painted. So you see the old dotted lines, but the new ones are painted. The fucking, it's the li- the merge, you're merging between fucking lanes. There's huge potholes in the middle of the highway. For some reason in California, there's more sofas on the fucking highway than there are in furniture stores and mattresses. (laughs) There's just a tree. Like, it's a disaster. This state is a disaster compared to the other 21 states we drove through. Oh, my God. And, by the way, we have the fucking highest taxes of any state in the country and the worst fucking school system. Yeah, welcome home, Patrick. It's yeah, nice man. to Thanks. have you here, man. <laughs> sounds like excited. Sounds like you had a great drive home, except in, when you got here. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, four hundred miles in Nebraska was just beautiful, man. Uh, <laughs> perfect roads. Oh man, forest. So dry. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say. So you, when you cracked your beer, I don't know if we were recording it. You said it's your third of the day. It, it is. It, it sounds it is. like is this medicine or is this you you tying one on today? No, this is this is much needed. Uh boy, we uh <laughs> we had a day yesterday, boys. Let me tell you, we had a day. What were you doing? Um, Spear fishing? So no, no. So uh so I'm friends with the guys over at Bro Bible. Um uh of Robbie Berger, Joe <laughs> Joey Coldcuts, they're good dudes. Super funny. They're uh they're from um New Jersey. They are not ocean-dwelling folk. And uh, they decided to come up to Santa Barbara yesterday. And my buddy Dana was in town with these E-Wave electric surfboards. And he was, like, doing a demo for me and a bunch of my friends. So I, I told the, uh, the Bro Bible guys, I was like, let's go. We'll go meet at the harbor around 8, 9 a.m., um, you know, and we'll, we'll just go just jetboard around. Just, and by the way, these E-Wave boards are these 40-mile-an-hour electric surfboards. Oh, they yeah. absolutely rip. Super fun. And uh, so the guys come up. And... It's it's eight in the we meet at seven thirty a.m. 
At 8 a.m., six co- cases of White Claw are loaded onto the dinghy <laughs> to go 100 feet across the harbor. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, I, I haven't had coffee yet, but I'll, uh, I'll have White Claw. And uh, we literally start, before anybody has even touched one of these jet boards, we've shotgunned two White Claws each. <laughs> Wait, and like, like all right. Keyhole, like, keyhole punch shotgun? Straight up, like, which I didn't know was a thing, by the way. Like, as, as a 32-year-old male... I, it's been a minute since I've shotgunned a beer, <laughs> let alone shotgunning lukewarm white cloths, which was, it was something. We had a day. So that was the pace of the entire day. And just watching these two, these two hooligans from New Jersey wipe out at 40 miles an hour over and over and over again. Well, by the way, and there's pictures to prove this, I was riding around on the jet board, one hand on the control because you have a little, little speed sensor and the other hand at all times with a white claw in hand. So I'm just riding <laughs> nice. around up and down the harbor with a white claw. Harbor patrol pulls us oh, over. Shit. They're like, what are you doing? They're, they haven't seen these things, right? These are like new technologies. So they're like, what are you doing? Where are your life jackets? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, look, you know, I'm like bullshitting my way through it. I'm like, oh, look, like, we're like R&D. You know, we're just testing them out. They're not registered yet. Like these are new products. All, all that's true. And then he's like, is that a fucking white claw in your hand? And I was like, <laughs> no. And he's like, you can't be doing that. I was like, why? It's not technically a motorized vehicle. And he was like, huh. And the arbitral guy like wanted to write me a ticket, but definitely didn't know what to write me a ticket for. It's right. like if you have a beer on a kayak. It's like, I, I know you shouldn't be doing that, but I'm not sure why not. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So how many claws do you think you took down whilst uh, cruising at 40 miles an hour on a uh, new piece of technology? <laughs> I, was dri- I was driven home. Uh, my car remained at the harbor. I went got onto the couch and went straight to sleep at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I'm guessing in the ballpark of a dozen. That's why you're so... And you're still, you're still hurting? Yeah, dude. I drank a dozen White Claws yesterday. I've, I've had three beers just to get through the day. <laughs> Hair of the dog. I mean, man. I'm... Hair of the dog. Ratap, if I had to venture a guess since yesterday was uh, recording this Sunday night, yesterday was Saturday... I'm going to guess you took down more than 12 drinks. You want to know what you want to yeah. know what I did last night? I I I had the best date of my life. Would you like to know what it entailed? Very much Love so. You. I I already know your meal of choice, but tell us the rest. <laughs> yeah. Yep, didn't involve a meal, it involved me and the lady sitting in my car in the parking garage downing an entire bottle of Maker's Mark, eating chips and salsa and blasting 90s music and singing along until 4, maybe 5 a.m. Don't really remember the last hour or two, but I tell you, I think I found a winner. <laughs> Wait, wh- wow. why did you choose that your car your when you have a lovely, yeah. lovely two-bedroom condo? I'm not really sure. I, it just kind of, we were just in there and I was like, <laughs> well, let's just, let's just dr- start drinking here and listen to the rest of this song. And then four hours later, we were still in there. That's magic. It was. What a magical time. I got to I got to tell you, Forrest, most of the time, like when I go down to the beach where Ratep lives, we'll start at his apartment. I'll black out, wake up the next day with <laughs> two shoes and pockets full of sand. <laughs> so he has a pool and a hot tub. And I'm like, what? Did we go to the beach? He's like, yeah. We, we took a bottle of Makers to the beach and just drank sitting on the beach. I'm like, why did we do that? He, he... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's just a thing. You, you crack it open. It's like, why leave? I'm here. This is good. So I just I want to circle back to something for a minute. So to our listeners who don't understand this, Patrick and I have known that Peter's been seeing this girl for the last four podcasts now. But this is the first time that he has brought it up on his own accord Ooh. on air. Mm-hmm. This is big well, time. I mean, I, I was, I'm just so floored 
at this date and how well and how much I just enjoyed it. I was like, I didn't even know that I liked this, but this is my favorite thing in the world. And if a girl's willing to sit here and do this with me, I think uh, it's time I tell my bros about her. That's all. He must be the one. Mike is a lucky, oh, lucky yes, guy. Yes, he is. He's got a huge <laughs> dick, too. <laughs> so that, are you willing to say her name on air? No. Are we at are we at that point? No. Are, get what get, over the line, bro? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> someday, All right. Someday. So, uh, so Bretep and I were Who's much Bretep? more excited. Sorry, much more excited. The professor and I were hideously excited about a piece. I haven't been. <laughs> I mean, I think I texted you guys on the on the chain. Best piece of news in years or maybe ever, I think. It, yeah, you did. You said that. And I still haven't clicked it. So I don't even know what you're talking it was, about. It was funny, though, because right when you texted me, I had literally just did one of those diatribes I do in the in the WhatsApp chat where I had been like, dude, did you guys see this? And like 10 minutes later, you were like, you texted both of us. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. So basically, I'll just read you the, the Huffington Post headline because the New York Times article is, is, is long. You should read it. It's fantastic. But the Huffington Post article headline is Explosive UFO Report in New York Times mentions, quotes, off-world vehicles not made on Earth. Mm-hmm. So a Pentagon consultant did an interview with the New York Times and basically uh, – they admitted that they have there's a branch of the US government that's that folds under the navy's jurisdiction that was started in the early 2000s because they had a fair amount of evidence and video of uh aircraft that were the technology was way beyond anything our military had mm-hmm. so they thought hey is this china is this russia who is this they specifically mentioned those two countries i don't know at what point because it's not revealed yet they recovered uh, parts or entire vehicles, but at some point they recovered parts of vehicles or entire vehicles that they said contain elements and are clearly not, ma- they were not made on earth, specifically aircraft that our U.S. government has that is not, that were not made on earth. They've been giving uh, monthly briefings since 2007 to certain select members of a congressional committee and they are now releasing this evidence and saying that they uh, there will be more transparency from this particular branch of the military with the general public. And uh, it says, the quote is, TTSA welcomes the increase in transparency and is steadfast in our mission to educate policymakers uh, basically on the topic of what these vehicles that they recovered are mm-hmm. that are from space, not made on Earth. So unless we have a colony on another planet, <laughs> these vehicles did not come from human beings as we as we know them. I thought what I saw, so you're blowing my mind right now because I didn't read the links. I saw a little bit about it floating around, and I thought what I saw was they were saying that they were opening up the sharing of information in case, like you just said, Russia or China has some kind of advanced military you know, flight vehicles that we don't know about. I didn't know this was a confirming that they were off- world vehicles. Yeah, the the actual quote is from uh, astrophysicist Eric W. Davis. Eric W. Davis, who's a subcontractor and consultant for the Pentagon, uh, he's talking about his briefing with the Defense Department in March about uh, recovered, quote, off-world vehicles that were not made on this Earth. Um, 
he examined some of the materials and concluded that they could not have been made by human beings. Do you think the Pentagon just sat around going, all right, look, it's 2020, like anything's fucking possible. People are people are too busy to freak out about aliens. Now's the time uh, to announce 100%. I think they knew that the information was going to leak. There were too many people that knew. Uh, yeah. The political environment is, to, you know, assume that any of these congressional committees that were briefed on it were bipartisan, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. So yeah. with, with the upcoming election, I think it was just, they just thought there's no way that this is going to stay under wraps. Just let's leak it now. Well, there's so much other shit going on. To be distracted by. Yep. That's insane. I, I, so, do, so do you get the impression, Patrick or Peter, if you've looked into this, that they're going to actually let us know what these vehicles are and what the parts are, at least to their understanding? Um, I, I don't know if they're going to release like precisely that, but I mean, they are supposedly going to do, I mean, they're going to be releasing UFO evidence every six months now reporting on it. So, I mean, it's pretty exciting either way. The, I'm I'm guessing that it's going to be there's going to be some pretty interesting shit that they're releasing. Pat, what do you think? Um, I don't know how much they'll get into the weeds with it. I think that I mean, here's the thing, right? We we have a pretty good handle of our own solar system, right? We have telescopes in space that, you know, give us a ton of detail on what's going on in all of the planets in our solar system. So, Theoretically, these would have had to come from a different... I'm not answering your question at all. I'm just excited about <laughs> some calculations I did. <laughs> so, theoretically, these would have to be from another solar system, a different star, right? Whatever these... Whatever created these are. Mm -hmm. So, I was looking at, basically, our, our speed of space travel, right? Because there's been talk of a manned mission to Mars... The fastest thing that we have that moves in space goes at about 17,500 miles an hour. The closest solar system to us, at that speed, it would take us 80,000 years to get to it. Long time. So my question, Forrest, carbon has a very short half-life, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Correct. Anything living on Earth is made of carbon. I mean, is there any theoretical idea of, of something that's alive that could not be carbon-based? Oh, I mean... This is outside of my wheelhouse for sure. But the short answer is yes. And that's just because we don't understand life to the degree that we think we do. And what I mean by that, a perfect example of that is, you know, it was in the in the 80s that we figured out that there was life that didn't rely on the sun. We figured out that there was thermal vent life, you know, mm -hmm. and in, up until the 80s, our entire human understanding of life was that all life was because of, you know, the sun and, and our atmosphere. And then it turns out there's entire organisms, still carbon based, but regardless, entire organisms that don't rely on, you know, our, the elements as we know them. They rely on energy coming from thermal vents at 6,000 feet down in the ocean. So, you know, if you can think that on our own planet, we didn't know that entire ecosystems like that exist and thrive off of oceanic volcanoes, of course there's other forms of life that we don't understand. Yeah. Wow. Well, for the listeners, stay tuned. We might touch on this on the Battle Royale. You must be so excited, Patrick. I mean, I've known you for the better part of my adult life and you are obsessed <laughs> with part. aliens extraterrestrial life <laughs> um, yeah you 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 must be just over the moon literally oh dude it it's great to have have a, a buddy like peter because you know i've known peter how long have i known you since like maybe 07 08 yeah we have had so the vast majority of our hangouts i mean look the <laughs> This friendship has taken us both across multiple girlfriends and <laughs> wives, uh, and and, and all of them have had one thing in common, which is like 
they're just there's like I don't understand how you guys stay up until noon just talking. Yeah. Every time we <laughs> hang out, you guys are still up at noon the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of it's because we're talking about this shit. The aliens, man. There, they, there is one other thing they have in common. They both have a mutual disdain for the two of you at this point. <laughs> yeah. All those ex-girlfriends. It's very true. Very true. <laughs> um, we would constantly show each other at like 2, 3 in the morning after m- many drinks. We're back at one place or the other. And we're just watching like UFO and alien documentaries. There's countless of them out there. So it never gets old. And it's always puts you down this path. Like we're even talking right now, you know, if there's animals that can sustain without any sun or anything like that, who knows? I mean, the like, even if they aren't sustaining that long or whatever, these potential aliens or whatever, maybe they're bending shit time space and we don't know how any of it works. And they're teleporting, man. There's just so well, many the, crazy things to posit. The other thing is when when we look into space, when us humans look into space to look for planets that could be inhabitable, we always start with one thing, which is the presence of fresh water mm-hmm. uh, right. or just the presence of water. Atmosphere, yeah. We're assuming that these life forms are based on, you know, it's it's only based on the way that we see life on Earth versus... Right. Jesus Christ. I mean, something, you know, there could be something that's alive or intelligent that 80,000 years is to them what eight years is to us, right? Um, So I don't know. It's just fucking fascinating. And I, you know, you know, you guys have heard me rant about academics and how we're so cocky that we know everything. And yep. I just, I just like when new shit comes out because I, you know, I firmly believe that we are like the equivalent of a forest. If I gave you an ant and I said, teach this ant how to, how to ace this biology test. There's no amount of time in which you could teach the ant to get an A on a biology test. And that's how we are trying to understand the universe yet. Neil deGrasse Tyson is very happy to go on television and tell you that we know everything. This is exactly how it works. Yeah. And, and it's annoying because if you, if you doubt it, most people look at you and think that you're a conspiracy theorist or a buffoon. Right. Right. Well, I love you, no, Neil. You're you should definitely right. come on the podcast, and I will make fun of Pat with you in real time. Yeah, he's listening. He's listening <laughs> right he's a huge now. He's got fan. nothing better to huge do. Fan. Here, here's so here's the analogy that I like to draw when talking about extraterrestrial life. I, so I'm obviously a firm believer, just based on statistics, right? Just yeah. the fact that there mm-hmm. are so many billions of stars and solar systems, and et cetera. If you lived on the island of Hawaii and you had nothing but a canoe. The United States, Japan, which, you know, Hawaii is between the two, are as foreign as another planet, right? If you have nothing but a canoe, there is no way that you're ever getting there. It'll take you 80,000 years. I mean, not really, but you get my point. Yeah. Right? You, can't cross, you cannot cross that vast, vast ocean in a canoe. You can look around and say there's three or four more islands and I see them over there and there's life there. But this is the end of the world as we know it. From here on out, there's nothing but water, mm-hmm. right? Now, all of a sudden, you have a speedboat. You're a mega yacht. And all, all of a sudden, when you go across that vast space, there's all kinds of life on these other other continents yeah. and on these other islands and nations. And that's how I see space travel. It's not that, you know, it's not that there's no way there's other life out there. That's, I think it's very unlikely that it's in our solar system. It's that that jump of what would take us 80,000 years at light speed. We can't even fathom how to cross that yet. It's like we're stuck on Earth with a canoe, right. and yeah. we have no idea. You know, we, we might have the camera that can see the other side, but we have no idea how to cross it, right. and we're nowhere near crossing it. Mm-hmm. Now, other intelligent beings or civilizations 
might have that speedboat already and look over here and be like, yeah, there's life right there, but you know, we don't need to go there. That's Haiti. <laughs> like we don't, we don't need to go to that island. That island sucks. <laughs> for for um, sure. Yeah. 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 So that's how I see kind of life in other, other places. I think we're very small minded to just be like, oh, it's too much time and space to cross for there to be anything over there. It's not that. It's that we're stuck with a canoe on a tiny island. Well, here, here's something I think about too. If they, if if they are out there, these these little green aliens or whatever they are, and they can see us, you know, and they just don't want to. It's 2020. Are you really going to call them out like that? Little green aliens. <laughs> oh my Check god! Check your microaggressions, bro. Jesus. Check your microaggressions. All right, these tall whites. That's a legit <laughs> uh, alien that's, race. But um. Gray aliens, I thought. Was the well, thing. there's grays and then there's tall whites who supposedly roam the earth. Um, but so they can see us, right? And they, they could even contact us if they want to, hypothetically. Yet they're not aggressive towards us. They don't like try and conquer us. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, I feel like if humans were so invasive as a species, if we found um, we want to colonize Mars, for example, you know, we want to just take over everything, and it it almost just seems like if they haven't, they didn't, they don't have that like we do. Maybe they're, uh, I don't know, what are they looking at us like we're in a, an ant farm? Like they just, oh, well, dude, yeah, I maybe. just said that. I said that today on the drive because I was <laughs> ranting about this, obviously. And uh, yeah. Chris, Christina was like, "Well, what do you think they're doing? If they're like, why are they zipping around and crashing mm-hmm. into the planet?" And I was like, "Well, maybe we're like an ant farm to them." They're just yeah. watching and going, what the fuck's that? That's kind of cool. That's kind of fun. South Park does an awesome episode on uh, on this sort of exact idea where Earth is just a giant reality show in the universe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like Earth on Spognal. And this week, will the giraffes <laughs> fight with the zebras? Will the human, will the blacks fight with the whites? You know, and it's just like yeah. it makes all fun of like civilization and animals. And it's like we took every being from all over the galaxy and stuck it on one planet, and it makes it seem like Earth is Survivor, and it's it's just great. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'd watch Earth as a reality show. Like, we're a mess. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're, we're a disaster. Especially well, yeah. in 2020. Jesus. 2020 is just a ratings boost, this you know? They're, huge just, they're over there. Boost. Yeah, they're just over there. They're like, look, Earth's dying. Like, it's not a good show. You know, it's a tough time in the cable in the cable universe like let's throw corona in it let's oh mix god it up. yeah let's it's <laughs> it's like putting oj simpson into the big brother house you're just like this is gonna <laughs> spice things up guys <laughs> yeah. um but your canoe analogy i think is very uh is very it's not only does it make a lot of sense but it's a perfect segue after a high speed canoe chase a high <laughs> oh, speed go. canoe chase which i it's hard to picture hard to picture <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> officials in Madagascar, somewhere Forrest and I have painted many the village red. Uh, <laughs> a high-speed canoe chase ensued. Uh, a group of poachers was caught because the officials nice. that were protecting wildlife were just slightly better at canoeing, as it turns <laughs> right. out. Hell right. yeah. Uh, they were able to recover 144 endangered radiated tortoises from a poaching right. and smuggling operation. Nice. Um, and but that that I thought was very interesting. Uh, so apparently they it's this is not a case where they go to China to make dick pills, but they actually use them as meat uh, in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. But uh, they talked about in 2018 they busted a stash house of these of a place that was stashing these radiated turtles, and they had ten thousand of them. Jesus, oh, wait, it's, it's right? Brutal. Sorry, tortoises, not turtles. 
10,000 tortoises inside a stash house they were going to use for meat. They recovered all 10,000 of them. Forrest, what did, tell me about this animal. This is not something yeah, that we I'm saw, I don't think, when we were in Madagascar either time, is it? No, we, we didn't. My very first trip to Madagascar, the little, like, lodgy place I stayed at had a couple that they had seized from poachers. And I'm actually very familiar with both this story and the radiated tortoise um, because the bust was done by the TSA, the Turtle Survival Alliance, of which I'm very work very closely with them. I is know that James? Old... That's your buddy James, right? No, he's at the other one. He's okay. at the competitor. That's, that's, oh, that's ooh, dangerous water. Oh, were these, was friend. the TSA the guys that helped us out in uh, Vietnam? Exactly. Oh, yep, shit. Okay. TSA. Yeah. Good, good yeah. peeps. Good peeps. Yeah, they're great. And they do a lot of good. So for those that don't know, turtles and tortoises are the most poached group of animals on earth. Um, once you take pangolins out of it, as far as a group goes, it's turtles and tortoises and they're in big trouble. Radiated tortoises are absolutely stunning. They get their name based on the shell patterning they have. It radiates out from the center of each scoot. It's really beautiful. And these animals, they're critically endangered, these animals now. And the reason being, they're poached for a couple different reasons. They're, any radiated tortoise that can be found is collected. The big ones end up going to the local bushmeat trade. And the babies fit into suitcases and get shipped all over the world where you can fetch like ten to $30,000 per baby. Um, Jeez, what? If you're a collector. And that's a thing oh. that I think a lot of people don't realize. And, and I'm just going to dogleg this for a second. This exotic pet trade is a huge thing. After, after drugs and human trafficking, it's the third largest industry, illegal industry in the world. It's something like $30 billion a year. And don't quote me on that. It might be less. But it's the third largest criminal industry in the world is the exotic pet trade. And it's all for things like these critically endangered tortoises. And of course, supply and demand, right? The more rare the animal becomes, the more some rich fat cat Saudi Arabia guy or German guy or Australian guy, whatever it is, definitely not Americans. Um, definitely Americans as <laughs> definitely well. Definitely not some um, rancher in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> want one of these things. And so when, you know, and this sucks, and this is a perfect example. So when radiated tortoises were very common in Madagascar, all over the place, um, kind of like leopard tortoises are in Southern Africa, then people started getting into them being like, wow, they're so cute. They have so much personality. They've got such a cool look. So they started getting poached like crazy. As they became more and more rare in the wild, the price went up and up and up. And now it's $30,000 for a baby radiated tortoise. So when you're a local Malagasy guy whose annual salary is 12 US dollars and you can get $30,000 for a radiated tortoise, you better believe you're going to poach it and send it overseas to wherever it is to this rich collector is. And it's, it's, fucking brutal man yeah it's what we call in biology tragedy of the commons right tragedy of the commons is if i don't take it someone else will so if i'm walking down the path you know i'm dirt poor i live in Mal madagascar i can't feed my family and i see two baby radiated tortoises the mentality is not i'm gonna leave them here so 10 years from now or 50 years from now there'll be a bunch more the mentality is if i don't pick up these radiated tortoises and get my paycheck the next guy that walks down this trail will and mm -hmm. that's tragedy of the commons and it, it's a brutal thing that is happening in this wildlife ring. And it's it's just, Radiators are a great example of it. It is just fucking brutal. And these animals are taking such a hammering so some rich guy can be like, check out my cool rare tortoise in my backyard. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I was going to say, why the fuck do you need a rare pet, right? Like I have a cat and a dog. It's Didn't you want like a serval cat at one time, Pat? I think if I were to like move on to a big ranch, a serval or, would be dope. Uh, uh, or a savanna. Savannah, no, I, 
a savannah is a cross between a serval and a, and a bullshit cat like mine yeah, that's sitting here staring cat. at me. Um, but you can't actually keep a serval, though, can, can yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, you ser- can. Ser- I had two growing up. You did? Holy shit. Yeah, we found, we found them in our field because I, growing up in Zimbabwe where they're native, we found two kittens when we were tilling up one of our fields and they're, dude. they used to beat the shit out of our Ridgeback dogs. They were so gnarly. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. That, that's crazy because I was recently just watching videos of them and they're, they're fucking awesome. Oh dude, yeah. they're, they're dope. I mean, describe a serval for us since you've actually had one. I've only watched a thousand YouTube videos of them. <laughs> I think the best way to describe them to someone that has doesn't understand one is just imagine a mini cheetah, and they're not that mini. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still you know thirty, forty pounds. Um, That's huge for a fucking cat that you're that yeah. you have as a pet. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I they're, would be terrified. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they get they get big. You know, like I said, domestic ones will get to like almost forty pounds when they're overfed. I'd say a typical one's closer to thirty, mm-hmm. but um. They're big cats, and they're these wild bush cats. They live in sub-Saharan Africa, where I'm from, Zimbabwe, South Africa, that region. And they're incredible hunters, incredibly intelligent, very affectionate. Mm. And what was interesting about ours is, so we got ours when I was like, I don't know, maybe nine or ten. And they both bonded to my mom, who like bottle dropper fed them, you know, because we found them in the kit in the field after it had been tilled up and couldn't mm. leave them to die. And obviously the mom had left them. So we like dropper fed them. And so they latched onto my mom as being like their you know, their provider, their person. And so they never bothered me or my sister. They never heard us, nothing like that. But random people that would come to the house, they'd be absolutely fine, com- completely ignore them. But if they didn't like someone for e- any reason, they were terrifying. I mean, one scratch give you 12 stitches. Like they would go hard in the paint. And they're wild. They're <laughs> they're, they're not, nuts, dude. they're not fucking domestic cats. You know, right. they're not like, oh, come here, let me tickle you. They're like, one would come crashing in through the window at 3 a.m. with a dead bird in its mouth. And then the other one, you know, the other one would be pissing in the corner of the house because, you know, we're, we're not spaying them. And when, when one sounds like Peter after pisses. a night out on the town. Ah, fuck off. I got it in before you. I said it sounds like you two animals. <laughs> yeah, they were cool. Well, and they just grew up and went back into the bush. So we had them from babies to basically adolescence, and then they just kind of took off. And we'd see them around the farm, but they didn't like stay in the house. They weren't caged or anything. Right, Dude, right. it's crazy because I've seen, you know, I've seen. Uh, there's a bunch of YouTube videos because they they are, you know, they're they're not super common. I've never met anyone that has one, but they definitely are. In most states, they're legal. In California, you need a special permit to have one. Um, mm, yeah. But there's p- tons of YouTube videos of them, you know, cuddling with the toddler. Um, right. So I wonder if they are fairly domesticatable. Uh, they must be. I mean, probably. Like ours, like I said, they came from the wild. They went back to the wild. We never had any intention of making them a sure. pet. So it they was came... more like raise them and let them go. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, but they scared. The, like, I'm not kidding. Like, our Ridgebacks were well-trained. Our Ridgebacks used to kill water, warthogs, chase leopards off the farm, everything. And, uh, you know, so they knew not to attack the cats. And the cats would beat the shit out of our lion hunting Ridgeback dogs. <laughs> it's crazy. They're so sleek. Like I have to imagine they're, you know, Ridgebacks were hunt, like you said, or were bred to, to hunt lions and kill lions. Yep. Servals are so like sleek and quick that I have to imagine yep. they're just like, yeah, we're not, we're not right for this. Get a different dog. That's why I, totally. And that's why I say they're like cheetahs, you know, they're not like yeah. a mini leopard. They're super nimble, agile, really fast. I mean, they're, and they have that like, if you if you ever worked with big cats, like a tiger's its own thing, and I can't talk much about that because I haven't grown up with them. But if you've ever worked with like a leopard, they're terrifying. You can't really trust them. Like it feels like they're gonna kill you at any turn. <laughs> if you work with a cheetah, it's like 
they, they're your friend. Like uh, our neighbors at a game park, and they had these cheetahs that they hand raised, and they were like, they were they were like domestic cats. Like mm. they were these wonderful cats. And servals had that temperament of being very affectionate, very loving, very loyal. Whereas a leopard, you know, this crazy solitary animal, totally different, like totally terrifying at all times. Well, that, that yeah. brings me to uh, a new game that I want to try and play, Peter. Yes, I it's love a new games. game. And here's how it's going to work. So okay. <laughs> I just right. was because I was just googling to find out if uh, servals. By the way, I've had a glass and a half of wine and not eaten today and driven thirteen hours. I'm <laughs> I'm gone. Oh, that's great. I'm, That'll I'm be great done. for the pod. I'm a mess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you've been walking around. Now you're just like laying with uh, it's, it's you're just you are a mess, man. <laughs> I'm a disaster. But anyway, so I just Googled to find out if uh, servals are legal in California. And while you need a special permit, they did provide a list of 10 exotic animals that are legal in California. So I'm going to throw them out mm. one at a time. I okay. want to <laughs> two to three sentences first from Retep about what he thinks God. about keeping these as a pet. And then, oh, and then I want Forrest's informed opinion of keeping each of I these like animals as a pet. All right. I like this game. All right, so the first one, we're going to start nice and easy. These are legal to have as a pet in California. Okay. Zebra, Forrest, let me translate that for you, zebra. I didn't even understand that first word, but I know what a zebra is, okay. so please continue. All right, so Peter, zebra as a yeah. pet, three sentences at most, go. Yeah, I, w- I would love it if I could afford a horse. I'd probably have one. I'd ride it. I would brush it. I would feed it. It would be great. <laughs> Forrest, any commentary on what Peter said or zebras as a pet? Terrible. Absolutely awful pet. Um, <laughs> I-, I would love, love to see Peter trying to ride one. That would make my entire year. <laughs> I also um, like that he called it a horse. Yeah. <laughs> if I could afford a horse. It... it, it <laughs> You just get a, in Peter's mind. It's literally a horse with a two cans. Of a little pony paint. horsey. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. no, terrible pet. You don't want one. I, I knew a lot of people with them. They're not particularly <laughs> friendly. And newsflash: they're dumb as dirt. Ah, we'd get along great then. You would. You really would. <laughs> All right. Next, a perfectly legal pet in the state of California. No permit required. A monitor lizard. Oh boy. Go ahead, oh, man. Oh, sorry. Oh, Go ahead, Peter. No, Peter. 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 Yeah. Dude, you. you are hammered. You you yeah. already forgot the rules of your own game. All right. Yep. Um, yeah, man. I mean, disgusting. If I was forced to have one of these fucking dinosaur gross things as a pet, <laughs> I would probably throw small pebbles at it so it would leave me the fuck alone. I would keep it like outside away from everything in a gated area and uh, never visit or touch it and hopefully it escapes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually think they're an awesome pet. It's basically a land croc. I mean, monitor lizards, they're really like, I don't, do I think everyone listening to this should go and get a monitor? No, don't be an idiot. Don't go buy a monitor lizard. But if you're into reptile keeping, varanids, monitor lizards are like, they're like the pinnacle, right? They're, they're cool. They're big. They're fast. They're strong. They have gnarly bites. They can hurt you, but they choose not to. That's Um, great. That's what I want. Yeah, they're dope. <laughs> and if you let one go in California, it's definitely going to cause a big problem. So you should probably not actually be allowed to have them in California. I yeah. had I but had if- a lizard in, in college. I don't even know how this came about. It was a pretty big monitor lizard that I kept in a in a tank. And like reflecting back on it as we're discussing this right now, I don't know what the hell I was thinking or why I even did it. Like I'm not into reptiles or lizards. Wait, you had a monitor lizard pet? 
I had a sure fucking it was a monitor lizard and not just like a small lizard that you caught outside. No, no, I I remember this fucking thing because it was a pain in the ass and and it like <laughs> it was like from tail to, to to nose. It was it was about the size of like you know like two like two feet like a foot eighteen inches long probably. It was very okay. fucking large. And it was just like wild. It just would fucking thrash around in there when it wasn't sleeping. <laughs> They're so dumb. Like, I don't get the draw to, like, it was just a wild animal. It wasn't like a fun, cool one you could put on your shoulder or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, if, I don't know. If you, all right, next one. So, the, <laughs> Sorry, where I, was, I derailed it. Where I was staying in Ithaca, the place across the street from my brother's lake house, had a whole bunch of these, and they were fascinating to watch. You are allowed in California with no permit to have an American bison. (laughs) Go ahead, Peter. Quick thoughts on the bison. Okay, three sentences or less. I would keep the bison in my room with me and cuddle it and snuggle it and like try and make a bed on top of it. I mean, I would love this thing. Furry, fuzzy, cute. I'm assuming very docile. It would be great. I'm, Any thoughts? I'm going to second what he said. It sounds great. I would have a bedroom bison if I could. <laughs> a bedroom Wait bison, a minute. These buddy. are not docile animals. These will no. ram people at Yellowstone left and right. <laughs> oh, I, I, I like to think that they're like cows where if it's hand, and I don't know this, I've had very little experience with American bison, but I like to think that they're like bovids, like cows, where if you hand raise one, it's, it's basically a giant puppy dog, a big stupid puppy dog. And I, I I'm not saying Peter's correct. Oh, I'm saying I on. agree with him in the sense of I would like a bedroom bison. Fair. I like Fascinating. it. Fascinating. All right, Forrest, you and I have uh, been together experiencing the joy of being around these animals. In California, you can have a second-generation wolf dog as a pet. Wow. The way that that is uh, described legally is that it's called an F3, an F3, F4, or F5 which means they're Meaning three, four or five generations removed from wolves. No, but right? it says second generation. It says they are indistri- indistinguishable in looks, uh, but they have to at least have some non-wolf in them, essentially. Uh, do you want a wolf? Do you want a wolf for Tep? Yeah, absolutely. This one, this is my favorite so far. I would love to have a wolf that, you know, I mean, it'd be amazing. Superheroes, I feel like, have wolves. They had them in Game of Thrones. <laughs> they grew up with these dire wolves, man. This, this thing would be a, an amazing pet, just a better, more violent attack dog than my 12-pound little dog that I have. <laughs> nice. Terrible idea. Absolutely. <laughs> this is the worst one from the list, in my opinion. Do not get a wolf dog. A wolf dog is, like Patrick said, it's just got a little bit of dog in it, which means it is mostly wolf, which means this is a wild animal that is an apex predator that should be running around with thousands, not hundreds, thousands of acres of open space hunting things. This is not something that you cram into your apartment in Los Angeles. Would it be in my Neither apartment? No, it would be on the balcony. <laughs> Wait, Forrest, Forrest, how many miles a day does a wolf cover in the wild? 300, approximately. Holy shit, can, really? Can cover up to 300. But at least 50. That's wild. I believe. At least 50, yeah. Uh, can cover up to 300 miles if they want to in a 24-hour span. At the wolf That's rescue nuts. that you and I filmed at, where did they get most of those wolves? Uh, they were all all animals that had been abandoned, right? Because people couldn't take care of them. Yeah, it was people like Peter who got a wolf <laughs> and thought it yep. would be a fantastic pet until it, uh, you know, snarled at their toddler and they were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> nah. uh, yes, a wolf dog will eat your baby. They will. Let me be clear: a wolf dog will eat 
your baby. Don't get a wolf. Let me be clear. I would get rid of the baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. Uh, This is a fun game. I hope the the listeners are enjoying it. If not, it's my fault. All right. Uh, (laughs) True. Very true. Another one. You are allowed. We all know this because we've seen them on Hollywood Boulevard before it was gone uh, because it's not there anymore. Hmm. It's all tense. Um, you are allowed to own a large constrictor take snake. Take a large oh constrictor goodness. snake. Jesus. Uh, you can have a Burmese python. There are many large constrictor snakes you're allowed to mm-hmm. own in California. Thoughts? No. That period. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All right. Uh, t- time to go a little deeper than three sentences. Sorry to dogleg the conversation. I had a 14-foot Burmese python in California, and here's, let me tell you why. So when I moved to the United States, I moved to the small town of Cayucas, California, about a population of 2,000 people, and I became known as the wild African kid that would run around the creeks and catch snakes. So one day I get a phone call, right, in this tiny town from this woman who's screaming and crying, and she says, the snake ate my cat, the snake ate my cat. And I said, all right, well, it's possible, it's unlikely, you know, we live in California, there's not a lot of big snakes here. How big is the snake? She says, it's huge, it's 15 feet. Right, now, Patrick, you know, we've been on shoots, and we hear that 15-foot crocodiles, you know, 5-foot crocodiles are 15-foot crocodiles, and people freak out, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. sure it is, lady. I'll be there in 10 minutes. (laughs) So I jump on my skateboard, skateboard across town, get into it and I go, where is this 15? You know, I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm about, I'm about 15 years old myself at this time. And I'm like, where is this giant snake that ate your cat? She goes, it's down there in the creek. It's down there in the creek. So I go through her house. I drop down in her backyard into the creek. And sure enough, there is a 15 fucking foot snake with a giant lump in it. Oh man. Someone's pet Burmese python has escaped, eaten mm. this lady's cat They've... and coiled up in the creek. They Jesus. freed it. Someone freed it because they didn't want it anymore, I'm sure. For sure. So yeah. this is one of the problems with keeping large constrictor snakes. Now, I'm on the central coast of California. It gets pretty cold in the wintertime. A Burmese python is not made for that climate. For you know, Who knows how long he'd been out. He obviously found a big tasty meal um, in this lady's cat. So I go down there. I wrestle with the snake. He, it wasn't much of a wrestle. He was clearly someone's pet. He was very friendly. And this is, <laughs> I just want the listeners to know, as I tell this story... Patrick is being licked on the forehead by Lemley, his cat. Just, it's his mating just, call. It's, it's dude, yeah. mating call. I haven't seen the cat in two months. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, I go down, I catch the snake, and I take it back to, to my very small beach house that I live in with my mom and little sister. And uh, he's in this giant pillowcase, you know, like one of those king-size pillow pillowcases wrapped up. I put posters all over town. You know, I'm like, it has to be from this town. Nobody else. I put a thing on on Craigslist or whatever the equivalent was on the town bulletin board. I'm like, 15 foot Burmese python. Only one of you fuckers in this town has one for sure. Whose fucking (laughs) snake is this? (laughs) A week goes by of this thing living in a pillowcase in my bathroom and nobody claims it. Right. So I don't there's no zoo. Cayuca is a tiny little town. So I go to the hardware store. And I buy all of these, uh, you know, I buy a bunch of wood and a bunch of chicken wire and a heating lamp and all that. And in the backyard, I build this enclosure for the snake who I named Will He Eat Me, Will He Eat Me. <laughs> and uh, I kept Will He Eat Me for four years until I found him a new home. Wow. Nice. Wow. Did he get any bigger? Yeah. Or was he was that his max max length? size he he grew he definitely grew a lot heavier he was kind of skinny when i got him oh by the way he shot out that woman's cat i met left that, oh, story, God. that part of the story was it out. just it was the the skeleton or what no i shouldn't say shat he regurgitated it so when i went and caught so when snakes are startled they will throw up their meal as an escape method as a defense me- mechanism 
And uh, so this woman's sitting there going, Fluffy got eaten, you know, crying her eyes out. And I go down to catch the snake, who's clearly eaten the cat, you know, within hours. And sure enough, up comes Fluffy, all dead and, Ugh. you know, partially decomposed and, and black and blue from being asphyxiated right in front of the cat owner, which Ugh. is pretty brutal. That is Man, brutal. Why, Ugh. why did you fuck the cat? Man, you what, are what? off the fucking rails. <laughs> what? If any listener could please explain what Pat just said, let us know. We'll get to it next <laughs> podcast. All right, next animal. You are allowed to have this, even though it's rare and wild. You can keep a toucan, and it's not the one that sells you Fruit Loops. Uh, so uh, this this I would like, just because I'd feel like I'm the toast of the town having a toucan as a pet. That's really it. I mean, I would take care of it. I would love it like I do all of the people and pets in my life because I'm a good person, and I would never get rid of it or let it loose in the wild. Um, they're loud though. Are they loud? They can be very loud. I would get its vocal cords cut out before I. <laughs> Jesus that nice. That's nice. That's a nice thing to do. Forrest, thoughts on two cans? Right. I I hate it. I don't agree <laughs> with like large tropical bird ownership, and that might upset some people listening. And I'm okay with that because I think these large tropical birds should be free. The problem with keeping them, things like toucans, macaws, parrots, they sit in small cages. And yes, people take them out and give them like behavioral enrichment. But these animals should be covering vast distances, right, out in the tropical rainforest, yeah. canopy to canopy, sitting in, you know, a three foot by three foot cage in someone's living room, squawking 90% of its life to come out and sit on your arm and then go back into its three foot by three foot cage. I don't agree with. And uh, there's a lot, if you look this up, there's a ton of tropical bird rescue places because people get them and don't realize that a lot of these birds live 30 or 40 years. Right. And then they're like, cool, this will be a fun pet that I'll have for five years. And then what? Then you've got this, you know, this giant tropical bird that's shitting in your living room in a small cage. Right. And you're like, I've had enough of this. And you're trying to get an apartment in L.A., which clearly won't allow your loud bird to just yeah. be in there with you. No, I'm, I'm against it. When I first got to L.A., I was living in this apartment. And one day uh, there was just all of these parrots that were in a tree just like squawking the ones that yep. you see in pet shops and shit. Yep. And I was like, this is nuts. And then uh, somebody told me that apparently there was some, I, I don't remember the exact story, but have you ever heard like, so they migrate what from, from, from Northern United States down into Mexico for the winter. Is that what? Not like with parrots. No, they should be in the tropics. So there's that you probably saw parakeets. If I'm not mistaken, could be something else. There have been so many parakeets from like your pet code where you buy it for $15 released in cities around the U.S. and California being a, you know, Mediterranean climate, they're able to survive that they have actually named the, the giant flocks of parrots running around Los Angeles, the California wild parrots. They've given them their own name, even though these are tropical <laughs> birds that have been released from Petco. And yeah, uh, it's crazy yeah. that they just like exist here now. There is currently a 120 year old, uh, macaw holy shit a blue and yeah. yellow macaw that lives in a zoo in england uh that's 120 year old 20 years old speaks english quite well and <laughs> uh apparently the, the bird's name is charlie uh nice and, and nice. some a lot of the the words that charlie was taught earlier in life is he goes on anti-nazi rants that is awesome i that's love charlie that's fantastic yeah, I, I love every part of that story. <laughs> I take back what I said. Everyone, everyone get an anti-Nazi parrot right now. 
<laughs> All right. Quickly, we'll, we'll bust through the next couple because this is fun. Uh, my cousin lost his entire life savings when he was about 45 investing in a farm for these. Uh, when he told us – I was probably 15 and I kind of laughed. He did it anyway, lost his ass. Investing in this bird, which you can have as a pet in California without a permit, an ostrich. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I, I – yeah, I just don't. Uh, one bird's enough for me. Is you know, I yeah, just no with the ostrich. I, I guess if I wanted to eat its eggs or something, I I just don't know where to go with this one. It's it's <laughs> so too it's a big. No. That's a no for you. It's a no. I don't know what I'd do with it. All right, Forrest, you, no you've for got a big, you've got a huge piece of property. Uh, do you want an ostrich? Do you want an ostrich? I already have peacocks. Uh, here's so here's my take on that. So our neighbors had ostriches. I I've spent a lot of time around them. Things like ostriches, alpacas, llamas, emus, kind of all of these big kind of dumb animals that you can get <laughs> in the domestic pet trade. They're not a bad pet, but they're definitely not a good pet. Like, have you ever met like a great llama? Not really. Like, they're cool llamas. They're fun to pet. But do you, do you really want to care for a llama? It's not a like, what is it doing for you? That's so great. And I'm saying this is a guy with too many horses and two potbelly pigs. <laughs> which are completely useless animals, and I love them. So I can understand if you have a llama or an ostrich and love it. But I don't want an ostrich. They're cool. They're fun. They're not, they, you know, when they're raised right, they're not cheeky or anything. But why? I just don't know why you have an ostrich. So, yeah, quick I story. agree with Forrest. An, an editor, Peter and I met working on a show called Whale Wars many years ago. It was uh, an Animal Planet show about the sea shepherds. And an editor who is like one of our best editors on the show I could just tell something was off with him. It was like a Monday or Tuesday early in the week. And he was just kind of being grumpy and he was always a fun guy to work with. And uh, I asked him what was wrong and he said that he and his girlfriend of a couple years had broken up over the weekend. And I was like, oh God, like what happened? And he said it was a, over an ostrich egg. Uh, because they had bought an ostrich egg at like a farmer's market or something. And then op the process of opening the egg was so difficult <laughs> <laughs> that they got into a huge fight. Then to spite him, she tried to use a drill and sliced into her hand. And because oh, oh, they had been hilarious. fighting, he then refused to help her. And so they broke up over an ostrich egg. This that was you, hilarious. right? This was not a friend. This was you, as I, I recall. I can't, can't say the guy's name. All right. Second, <laughs> second to last. I wanted one of these as a kid. My mom said, no, you can have a pet tarantula. Thoughts, Peter? You want one? I mean, I, I'm lukewarm on the idea. It's fine. I would take it. It's not a lot of work. It's But what would I do with this thing? I mean, I've seen Home Alone. We've all seen it. In case a couple of burglars <laughs> break in, I could use it in that manner. Other than that, you know, if it was here, I'd probably feed it some crickets. That's about it. Go for it. Love it, and I'll tell you why. It does two things. One, they're native. So we have native tarantulas here in California. So having one, if it gets out, if it escapes, no big deal, assuming you have the native species. Two. And this is the part I like the most about it. It breaks down the stigma of creepy, awful, gross spiders. Like if you have a tarantula as a kid and you realize you could pick it up and play with it and it's not going to kill you, um, it, it takes down, it takes away that stigma that is associated with those gross, creepy crawlies so that when you're out walking one day and you see one, you don't smash it with your foot because you're like, it's disgusting. I hate it. So I'm oh, actually. Yeah all for it. it. I don't think it does any harm to the ecosystem. I think it does only good for people to keep tarantulas. I don't think the tarantulas mind it because they're spiders. I don't think they mind much. I'm all for it. <laughs> I like that take, though, because I'm one of those, these people who 
uh, doesn't, I never kill the insects unless it's like fucking cockroaches into my, but like I'll capture a spider and release it outside. outside. Like even those giant, like mosquito things, if they get in, I'll like, I'll like capture that motherfucker, put it in a jar and like let it out. Peter, uh, you just gave me such a broner. Really? Do you do that too? Oh, we should make broner t-shirts. Broner, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'll write it down. All right. Last one. Final on the list. Look, I live in West Hollywood in a condo. If Uh, I want one of these, I can go get one and no one's going to be able to say shit. (laughs) What is it? What is it? This is going to be good. This is going to be good. I'm not talking about the buttery smooth cigarette. I'm talking about the real animal, a camel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Peter, you want a camel? You want a camel? I mean, the one good thing about a camel is that I suppose if the if the faucet stopped working i'd have some extra water around maybe uh you know you can't just I, drink from a camel right it's uh, not actually a faucet wait it cut a hump is off it, is it not because i was gonna <laughs> ask you about that can you drink you a camel? Shove, you're just gonna shove a straw in his hump stuff or what a, stuff a what tapper in there exactly? hey, suck, you suck its dick tap. and the water comes out <laughs> also what i like about having a camel though i actually I, i've changed my mind I'm, I'm 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 all for this because <laughs> a camel like if I want to go to the beach or something, I can just ride that bad boy up there and just park him next to me, man. I'll be it'll be great because they're people ride them in the desert. I feel like it'd be perfect for uh, beach going. Well, you know what? You changed my mind, Peter. I was yes. gonna say silly pet, don't have one, but dude, if you're rocking up to Venice Beach on yeah. a camel, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You're you're pulling more tail than a special kid at a petting zoo if you're doing that. I mean, you're oh yeah, yeah. You're you're the coolest guy in the party. Like that's a great <laughs> reason to have a camel, especially if you're doing my mating call. <laughs> Wait, so so Forrest, have you ever? Uh, do you have any experience with a camel? Okay, so I do. I've ridden camels through the Australian outback. I've eaten camel. It's a common meat in Australia because they're invasive. But mm. while we're on this topic, if I can change gears, that was number ten, right, Patrick? Yep. All right, perfect time, perfect segue, because, guys, it's time for What's in the News. What's uh, in the news? So check yeah. this out. Let's play a hypothetical here. Say you're a wealthy Saudi Arabian, and you mm-hmm. decide to host the silliest thing you can. Now, keep in mind, I've never, been to, I've never been to this part of the world, but I imagine there's nothing there but sand and camels. That's how it plays in my mind. Um, what are you going to do? You're going to host a camel beauty pageant now this is a real thing by the way this is in the news now patrick throw me out a dollar figure where if you're like all right i've got the prettiest camel how much money do you think you'd win in that competition just guess okay so there's a lot of oil in saudi arabia uh my friend our mutual friend justin's wife works at prada on rodeo and she said when the saudis come in that's like you can make your whole month in an hour because they will buy like 35 bags and 15 wow. necklaces. So there's a lot of money there. It's a wealthy country. I'm going to say $3 million for the for the beauty pageant camel. Let me lay this on you. There was a <laughs> beauty pageant in Saudi Arabia for camels where the winner was disqualified, and I'll circle back to why in a minute, because the prize money was $31 million Holy if you shit. won for having the sexiest camel. Now, that's wow. not the news headline. This has apparently been going on for a while. This is the first time I ever heard of it. This is, the, this is actually the second annual King Abdezuzala or something like that camel festival. And Jesus. the guy who won it 
was disqualified because he was using Botox to pump up the lips oh. and nose of his camel during the competition. No. <laughs> He's Botoxing his camel for this beauty competition, oh, which How I they... absolutely would do for $31 million, absolutely. by the way. By the way, if it was $31 million, this would be like the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd be sewing a kitten's head. <laughs> Onto the camel's <laughs> neck. Are you shitting yeah. me? I can't, I just not like when I was reading this news yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't believe any part of it. I couldn't believe there was a camel beauty pageant. I couldn't believe that it was thirty-one million dollar <laughs> prize. I couldn't believe that it was the second annual one named after some king. And I couldn't believe that the guy was botoxing his fucking camel to win it. I just like this blew my mind. <laughs> well, fucking humans, man. It's geniuses. I can kind of see it because camels are known for their sex appeal. Uh, obviously. Having those big, beautiful. Well, they have they have really pretty eyes. They have huge eyelashes. Camels do, right? Yeah, um, they do. So they're kind of they are kind of pretty in a way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you'd have a beauty pageant for a camel. What's what's the fucking prize for the uh, American Kennel Club dog show every year? Best in show. Is, is that even a million? I don't even think there's money involved in that. It's just a Maybe high five. Is. I don't even know. I think I think that's <laughs> like a pride thing. I it's I I can tell you this with 100% certainty. It's nowhere near 31 million. <laughs> no, I will I will literally jump out of my third story window right now if it's more than a million. But let me ask you this <laughs> for us. I mean that's that's bananas. That's mind-blowing. But back to something Peter said. Ooh. I was always under the impression, and uh, you know, I'm an adult now, so I, I sort of don't Are think you? this anymore. But I was sort of under the impression when I was a kid that if you had a camel with you, you could drink its water that was in its hump. Is that <laughs> well, not a I thing? was joking because I'm not an utter moron, and I actually called you out on this on a previous podcast when you said it, but uh, it was a battle royale, <laughs> and you said you were going to tap the camel's fucking hump. You can't tap a hump? You can't you tap. Just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, Forrest. Explain to this moron why. <laughs> okay. Let me. So the hump that you see in a camel is fat storage. Now, camels can drink. They can drink like 30 gallons of water, right? And what happens is the fat in that hump will swell and they will hold a bunch of water. And that fat storage is mostly actually for diet. But there is no world in which you can tap a camel and drink out of it. Sorry, Patrick. Unless that you're trying just, to tap that ass. <laughs> it's it's it yeah. is not yeah that's just not a thing that's devastating yeah, i've never sorry, seen sorry to ruin that this this is a podcast that ruins dreams here people we <laughs> tell you that t-rexes go five miles an hour we let you know that you cannot drink from your camel it's yeah we are ruining dreams one pot at a time well speaking of uh pets and exotic pets at that look i know this has gone around forest i'm sure a lot of people have sent you this uh as they have to us at the Wild Times podcast on social media. Mm-hmm. How about this fucking Black Panther just cruising around in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia, dude? Oh, yeah. yeah, this is blowing up. I mean, it's been on, you know, it's it's everywhere. It's on the Mirror and the Daily the Daily Mail and News.com. And it's um it's pretty interesting. So for a little background on what Patrick's talking about. There's a couple places in the world. Florida is one of them where Black Panthers are a commonly known thing. They've never been proven to exist, right? Now, in all places of the world, Australia, which has no native large black cats, there's no lions, there's no tigers, none of that exists. There's only marsupials in Australia. Mm. Around Sydney, of all places, for many, many years, there have been reports of giant black panthers, right? Large black cats roaming around. 
And like all of the other reports, myself included, all scientists have been like, you're idiots. We don't have Black Panthers in Australia. It's nonsense. And many people have said, you're wrong. They've escaped from zoos. There's a small population. You know, they're here. I've seen them, I swear. And, and to myself and the rest of the scientific community, these are the people that say Bigfoot exists, right? These are the people that say they've been abducted. It's like, yeah, okay, go put your tinfoil hat back on and, you know, leave the wildlife science to the rest of us. Now, three days ago, a video surfaces from a student in Australia that clearly shows a black cat walking over a hill. Um, I think, I think in the university or near the university where this kid's at school that he captured on his phone. Now I'm going to dig into what I believe in a minute here, but, um, it's, shocking to say the least um just to prove that there is potentially a large black cat roaming around australia because the question is how did it get there yeah this footage is pretty pretty uh fascinating i'm watching it right now i mean how the fuck i mean how did it get there do you think is it a, is that a pet a pet trade situation so first of all when i first saw this so okay so for those that don't know i'm not into cryptids right i don't do bigfoots i don't do Loch Ness monsters but i'm very interested in the black panther thing because it's iconic and it's something that does exist, right? Black, large black cats exist. Large black jaguars exist. Um, large black leopards exist. They've been photographed. So we know this animal exists. How it's made such a reputation for itself in places like the United States and Australia where none, they're not native is a big question. So that's a lot of backstory. But what I'm getting to is I'm very interested in black panthers, especially after spending time in Australia. When I first saw this video, I was like, this is really stupid, right? I'm looking at a house cat. It's filmed on an iPhone from far away. You don't have enough trees for scale. Like, just stop. Now, that being said, if you break down this video and really look at it, it doesn't look like a house cat. And I was shocked by this. I think this really could potentially be a large cat. It really does look like one. And you see that by the musculature of the animal. You can see some trees in there and you can see some grass. I mean, the grass isn't even up to its knee joints. You know, it's, it's, it's clearly very big. Now, in addition to that, an animal tracker by the name of Jake Cesar went out looking right after this animal was there and photographed his hand next to paw prints that's the same size as basically, you know, his four fingers put together in the picture. And wow. he's going, look, guys, if this, I like Patrick, how, how big is Lemley's paws? The size of your, your, you know, thumb and index finger made it's, in a circle? It's a, like, it's tiny, it's right? It's the size of a mm-hmm. cotton ball. Exactly the size of a cotton ball. <laughs> right. Well, well, he, this guy's showing, you know, a four inch across pad that is clearly a cat track. And I don't think that this Jake Cesar has anything to gain by going out there and making up these cat tracks. So I actually do. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not into cryptos. I, I look at this and think there is there is this is evidence to substantiate the claims of there being large black panthers in Sydney. And I think what has happened is you're seeing an animal maybe first generation, maybe second, maybe third, who knows, that has probably come from another problem we were talking about earlier in the show, the exotic pet trade. Mm. So Australia is full of, especially Sydney, it's full of wealthy people from all over the world have congregated there. I think someone or some someone or some institution has smuggled in an illegal large black cat and they've let it out in the backwoods, it's escaped, whatever, and now it's roaming around Sydney eating people's dogs and cats and, and you know, trash, trash, uh, what do they call them? Bin chickens, all the ibises that run around the city. And someone's finally proven it. And it's it's pretty remarkable. I, I have to say, Forrest, I, you know, you're much more qualified. I disagree a little bit in the sense that I, I do think that you get a pretty decent sense of scale from the video. Like uh-huh. the muscular, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm 
tainted because the musculature is so not a house cat. But let me ask right. you this. Overweight thylacine? No. It's a, no? Okay. I, I appreciate that. I'd love God to say it. that I could see some of it. It's just wrong. It's too, it moves like a cat. It does, it's too yeah. dark. Oh, I, mean, I thought he just, was I calling wish. me that. <laughs> You're an overweight blobfish, Peter. <laughs> it does. I mean, it really like you know when my cat's stalking its feather toy. I mean, it the way it moves. But God, that thing is a muscular fucking beast, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know anything about anything, but just watching it, it does not look like a house cat. It's kind like, of from my amateur view, isn't it? It's it appears very brown. It doesn't really look like a black panther, does it? Well, and that's interesting, right? So if you if you go on Google and you look up black panther, they're not so they're melanistic, right? So these are animals, they're jaguars, leopards, whatever they are that have turned black through melanism. Now, melanism is a dark pigment in the skin. They're not jet black. They're not like the okay. way they're depicted in movies where they are are literally that that midnight black that we think of. They are mm. more on the scale of between brown and black. And then when you bounce that with the fact that they have oily coats and you put some broad sunlight on it, like what we're seeing in this video, a lot more of that lighter brown sheen comes out than the dark color. So I, I really do think we're looking at a quote-unquote Black Panther in this video. It's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, it makes me think about uh, our trip to Zanzibar when we caught the leopard, or you caught the leopard on trail camera. Oh, that's a wee. That's a hard That was a hard wee, sure. The meat tree was you guys was, are our, cute. was both of our drunk idea. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, the meat tree, dude, from episode one. <laughs> Great but, story. But the, the excitement was had to be muted a little bit, much different than the you know some of the other discoveries that, that have been made on the show, because... You know, right away, you, you know, you went to this could have been from a private collection or a private zoo. And it's just an right. African leopard that was freed. Uh, right. mm. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's like Peter talking about the parrots in L.A. or you going to Florida and you can find chameleons in the trees and green iguanas everywhere. Like the world is getting smaller and smaller. And, you know, nowadays there's a little bit more regulation on exotic animal trade. But up until like 10, 15 years ago, if you had a bit of money you could get anything like there was mm -hmm. no regulation. You know, if, if I wanted to be Joe exotic of Sydney, I'd be Joe exotic of Sydney. And if I had, if I was tired of those cats, you better believe I'm letting them out. Cause what else am I going to do with them? Sure. So um, and so I think that's, you know, in this case, I believe that's what we're seeing. And um, I, it, it's, it's bizarre. Like the world is, a, the world is mixed up biologically because of what we as humans have done. I read a, I read a super interesting stat the other day that scientists estimate that estimate estimate that 150 to 200 species of plant insect and bird and mammals become extinct every 24 hours and yep. that it's a thousand times the natural rate due to human activity that, that it would be without human activity yep. just speaks to your point that's insane so what could happen if this is a black panther well that's an interesting question my opinion would be if if it can be any more confirmed than it currently is, there'll sadly probably be some kind of bounty or, or effort placed on its head because that animal does not belong there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's likely causing some biological damage, whether that's just eating the odd wombat or whether that's like, you know, causing stress to people, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it, it doesn't belong there. And so I imagine if, if the Australian government takes it seriously, there will either be trapping or hunting implications put in place to remove the animal. And that sucks for the individual, but it's the right thing to do biologically. Right. Mm -hmm. I, 
I know we're uh, going a little long here, but this uh, this is a local story that that people uh, love it, man. Yeah. The longer the better. Good. People love this shit. This <laughs> this is one that's that's local ish. Um, the forest. As soon as I saw this, I was uh, in the mountains of Utah. Stopped over there for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I was uh, looking for aliens, but uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but uh, I saw this. I do believe it, and I was really excited to see what you thought about it. Did you see that there is a beluga whale that is cruising around off the coast of San Diego? That's right. First time in a hundred something years, I believe. Um, Damn. It's so a couple couple thoughts on that. I don't want to take away from your announcement, Patrick. I got really excited when. No, I that's. I just want to know what you think because it's you know not an animal that should be cruising the warm waters of San Diego. Totally. It's bizarre. So first of all, I think cetaceans move more than we give them credit for, cetaceans being whales and other marine mammals. Keep in mind, they're hyper-intelligent. They have the ability to go a lot further than they, they than we give them credit for, but that's on them. Now, I think there's a couple things that could be going on here. One is with the changing sea surface temperatures, that animal could be moving because it's confused, because it's lost, because it's trying to find a new pod. It's really hard to say. But I think the more likely thing that's happened, and this has actually been known to happen a couple different times all over the world with a couple different species, is that this animal is lost. I think this beluga uh. whale is legitimately lost. It's looking for its pod. It's, you know, they can travel vast distances over pretty short amounts of time. Somehow he got turned around. He should have been going north or he should have been going south. And he just kept going in one direction. And sure enough, somebody spotted him off the coast of San Diego, you know, thousands of miles, I believe, from where they should be altogether. And um, it's kind of sad because I don't know this for sure, but my guess would be that individual who, unlike the Black Panther, deserves to be in the ocean in his own space is likely going to die. No, oh, that sucks. But not, not definitely, you know, could turn around, could find its way home, could be a whole bunch of them showing up, who knows? But I, I think it's, you know... That, like all animals, they can get brain damage, they can get injuries, something can go wrong. And, you know, if this beluga whale has some brain damage or something like that, its navigation's off, its, its sonar's off, it could wind up in San Diego, unable to feed, who knows what. But I got really excited when I saw it. I was like, God, I'd love to see a beluga whale in California. That would be insane. And uh, I don't think it's been spotted since then, about a week ago. Did you, did you see that video that came out uh, earlier this year? Of the, uh, the squishy head? Oh, no. It was the one where they were playing fetch with the rugby ball, with the beluga. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It floated around my rugby team. Everybody. Yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. They were literally playing fetch the exact same way you play fetch with a dog, with a beluga <laughs> yeah. whale. Did you see this, Peter? Near the North Pole. <laughs> I've never seen it. No. No. Yeah. I think it was yes. like up in Norway or something. And these guys were, were throwing this rugby ball and kicking this rugby ball like way out into the ocean. And this beluga whale would go and grab it and bring it back and drop it off with them. And they'd do it again. Literally, just like Patrick says, like you play fetch with your dog. I, I'd take a pet beluga whale. I'd keep one of Hell those yeah. in, in, a, in a tank in my room. <laughs> well, they easily. say they say owners and pets often do kind of look alike. Oh my goodness, you are fucking in rare form today, aren't you? <laughs> I do have a quick question about that beluga whale, though. So, Forrest, yeah, the beluga whale. So, let's say it's separated from its pod, right? Because they're in pods. Is that how they normally Correct. travel? Correct. Do they yep. need the pod to be able to get food or can it hunt itself? And then the other question is, so it's normally in these very cold waters, you know, yeah. the fact that it's, it's covered in fat, right? Obviously it's very like to keep it insulated. Now that it's in these Correct. warmer waters, does that fuck it up as well? Uh, both good questions. So, I mean, think of, you know, this is like probably not the best analogy, but think of a beluga whale as 
wolves, right? Does a wolf need the paw, need the pack to hunt? No, it doesn't, right? It's perfectly capable of eating small rodents and things like that on its own, but the pod provides support and safety and reproduction and the ability to hunt greater meals and things like that. So okay. it's really not that this animal is definitely going to perish on its own because it needs its its mates to hunt. It's that it doesn't have its social dynamic. It's uh, right. you know, it, it's unable to to do a lot of the behaviors that it would, and doesn't have the safety of the pod. And mm-hmm. so beluga whales, they live up in the north, right? They're up in the very northern range. Um, they come down into Alaska, like all the way to the Aleutian Islands. So to be in San Diego, you're talking way far south. But yeah. what's interesting um, that I think a lot of people don't realize is if you look at the way the currents work in the world, if you look like if you go straight across from Southern California to Northern Florida, right, or, or approximately, maybe it's it's uh, South Carolina, I don't know, whatever that general region, the water's way warmer over there than it is over here in Southern California, right? Yeah, and that's because of the winds and the currents globally. Now. Something that's fascinating that I don't think a lot of people realize is the water temperature in southern Alaska is not as drastically different from from northern California and, and California in general as you think. And the reason being, um, the way that the currents work is we get cold water currents moving. They, it kind of hits the coastline in Alaska from the Bering Sea and then shoots down the coast all the way to Point Conception, which is just 30, 40 miles from where I live here in Santa Barbara, and then it juts out. Then we get a warm water current moving in from the south that also jets out and mixes at Point Conception. So Mm. the temperature gradient from southern Alaska to basically northern California, don't get me wrong, it's a lot colder in Alaska, but it's not like 40 degrees like it is, you know, going on the east coast, where, you know, the waters in south Florida compared to the waters in, say, Newfoundland, Canada are really, really extreme temperature gradients. So what I'm getting at is this animal wouldn't be in like massive temperature shock, right? Okay. It could have slowly come down this coastal coastal way from uh, Western Alaska all the way down to basically like Point Conception area, which again is only like 30 miles north of where I am here, and then crossed over into where the warm water from the south comes and mixes with the northern and been like, oh, this is a little bit warmer, right? That might have been like a tad bit of a shock. But mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, my God, there's a 50 degree water temperature difference. Like I'm going to be in absolute shock and die. And that's the reason that like right here where I live in California, I can go offshore right here and catch halibut. Right. I can travel yeah. to Alaska and also catch halibut like the same species can range all the way from here where I am in Santa Barbara, California, all the way up to Alaska, because the water temperature gradient is not super duper diverse. Like it does get colder and it does get warmer, but just not by such extremes as someone might expect. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So it's basically, it's just, just going to be very lonely. That's the main It's going to be lonely. It's going to be too warm and hopefully he turns around and heads back north, finds his pod. I'm thinking he will, you know, just because I want to be optimistic, <laughs> but. <who knows>? <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, baby. Yeah. Well, who knows? Um, I mean, maybe we'll see a, a, a heartwarming story uh, when the gray whales migrate back by San Diego. Uh, maybe he'll join yeah. a pod of gray whales and. Go on a fuck fest because he's like the new guy. He's like it's like the kid in middle school, right? Like the the kid that came from out of town and into into your middle school, and all the chicks were like, "Oh, he's the new guy." Like, let me let me see if he'll get the me guy a with the guy with the sweet haircut who's good at basketball, and you're like, "Ah, oh, that guy." Yeah, and he's like, "I'm from <laughs> Oakland." Do you see my starter's jacket? I'm from Oakland. <laughs> starter's jacket. Yeah, I fucked that up. Uh, oh my goodness, wait, you but- are a messer. <laughs> uh, I, first drink in five days today. Uh, so I like it, Forrest. 
This is something I did want to get your opinion on. Sure. Did you see the news? This is brand new about the new species that scientists in Hungary created called the sturtlefish. I did. I <laughs> I love this news, by the way. I think it's so funny. All right. So wait, run, uh, run down the story it. and then I have a question. I'm too drunk to tell the story. You tell it. And then okay. I, I do want to ask God. you a question about it, though. You got it. So there's two kinds of these and there's a lot more, but there's there's these two kinds of large mega freshwater fish, right? One is called the paddlefish, which, uh, as our listeners may remember, we talked about the Chinese paddlefish recently going extinct. It's this crazy looking fish with this large spoon like bill appendage that comes off of its face. And the other fish is a sturgeon, right? An animal that's been around for 184 million years of evolution. I mean, entirely separate species. Um, entirely separate continents that these animals, uh, not, well, not, not altogether. I don't want to get into the weeds on that, but anyway, <laughs> I, the American I also, paddle. I also think it's worth mentioning that the sturgeon, the, uh, caviar of the sturgeon, the eggs is one of the most expensive caviars in the world. So when yes. they claim yep. they made an accident, I, I'm a little suspicious, but anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> got it. So, yeah. So there's, so, and, and this is, I think Christ. this is where to, to circle back around to that point. So. Both these animals, and this is a new thing, American American paddlefish have recently become known for their caviar because you can harvest it without killing the fish. They're easier to breed than sturgeon. Sturgeon being not all of them, but the species most in question, Russian caviar. They come from Russia. It's super expensive. You know, it's the little black eggs that you put on the, the little, little pancake thing, whatever. Um, anyway, because these two animals are now both bred and harvested for their caviar, their eggs apparently scientists somehow crossed a Russian sturgeon with an American paddlefish and created a species that is the worst. Like, it shouldn't exist. It's like, it's like a liger or a tigon or, I mean, uh-huh. you know, it, 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 it's, like, it's like a liger, right? A liger being a lion from Africa and a tiger from India got together and humped and made this mutant baby. This is, this is a paddlefish from America and a sturgeon from um, Russia and scientists mixed their eggs together and somehow created this new fish called a sturtlefish, which is this absolutely heinous-looking uh, <laughs> oh, sturgeon so with this ugly. bill-like rostrum. It's insanity, and uh, I and I'll tell you why I love it because it's 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 a frankenfish. I mean, it's a fish <laughs> that absolutely shouldn't exist. I would love to have one in an aquarium. I mean, it's just so bizarre. Can I tell you why I love it? Tell me. Because it's uglier than a blobfish, which is apparently what I look like. I'm happy that there is an uglier fish than me out there. It is not uglier than a blobfish, although it's heinous. But here's the thing, right? So so these Hungarian scientists said that they were trying to do an experiment with something called gynogenesis, right? So the, the idea was that the egg of the sturgeon would reproduce asexually, right? Uh, the idea was that they were going right. to use the... Uh, paddlefish sperm to somehow make the sturgeon uh, reproduce asexually without having to introduce the DNA of the without paddlefish. Without fertilization. Right. Yeah. Okay. So why would you do this? One, because the fucking sturgeon is a very uh, lucrative fish. It right. produces this mm. incredibly expensive sought-after caviar. So these Hungarian scientists, in air quotes, we're, we're trying to do this thing. <laughs> they created this hybrid fish called the whatever the fuck they're calling it. Will that, will that fish produce caviar? If so, did they really do this by accident or are they trying to create a way to make more expensive caviar? And two, or B, 
should this should they just kill this thing? Like you can't just create a new species and then unleash it in the wild. Like don't they have a That's duty? That's what the to aliens not... did with us, mate. Fair enough. Fair enough. Don't kill us aliens. But like <laughs> Forrest, if you were on this project and you accidentally create a new species, what what should you do with it ethically and morally? Kill it straight away. Absolutely zero question. I mean, these animals should never come into contact with each other. You hate this not... fish. You hate this fish so no, much. No, I told you I he love it, and it. I want to keep one in an aquarium. <laughs> I, I love it. It's it's a frankenfish. But Patrick's asking, what do you do mo- ethically and morally? And the answer is you kill it straight away. Because you have no idea what the biological ramifications of that creation can be. If that mm. fish escapes, if it creates a whole new species, maybe it's and this is a weird example because of these species of fish, but maybe it's the most ravenous fish on earth and it just starts wiping out all the native fish in Hungary where it was, where it was bred. I mean, ethically and morally, you wipe it out immediately. You kill it right then and there. It gets stuffed. It goes into a museum and you go, Hey, look at the fuck up we did one time. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. You do not keep going with it. Now back to point one slash a that you brought up. Patrick. (laughs) Um, Could this, if, if I'm, a Russian caviar connoisseur and I find out there's one sturtle fish in the world <laughs> and it's going to produce caviar and I've spent $10,000 per spoon of caviar in my life and I know there's one sturtle fish making caviar in the world that's a million dollars a spoon, absolutely I'm going to pay for it, right? That's that's kind of to your point that I'd never even crossed my mind until right now. There could totally be some like weird you know, uh, economic value to it because it's so rare and unique and it could have this incredible quote unquote delicious caviar that nobody else has ever tasted in history. So it, I could see why they could try and keep it around to stimulate, you know, economic growth, but I, I hate the idea of it. It's, it's a frankenfish. Like I said, it's got to go. Well, the research Institute for fisheries and aquaculture in Hungary who created this, uh, monster, uh, they've said, you know, we we repeated it a few times to make sure we were right, but they haven't said what they've done with the fish, whether they've released them into the wild or not, uh, which I think is very fucking weird that, you know, I read the entire study and they don't, yeah. which is in a publication called the, the, uh, the something of genes. It's some horrible publication that, you know, only scientists would read. <laughs> But dot biz. jeans is the name. <laughs> okay, jeans. But it doesn't yeah. say what they did with the with the sturtlefish if they released them or not, so, which I find very strange. My understanding, and I could be wrong, is that this happened in a lab where they do caviar, etc. And I actually haven't read the whole study. I just read a bunch of the headlines and googled at the pictures. Um, but I I think they have them in these breeding pens in these large concrete ponds, and the idea would be that they would never get into the wild. But we know from countless countless mistakes it never works that way right one flood one accident one guy takes one home throws in his fish pond and that's it they're all over the place so it's yeah like i said it's got to go we 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 shouldn't be doing this where we are literally playing god in this situation right where we're creating new animals out of two other animals that should never meet and going haha we replicated it we did it again we're we're making things that (laughs) didn't exist Yeah, it's the island of Dr. Moreau, legit. Like, they're just like, these are both weird. Let's make something even more fucking weird. (laughs) All right, so guys, I think it's that time, the time of the podcast that everybody hits me up about every single day. They want it, they want more, and we're going to give it to them like I give it to Doris DeLuca. That's my mom. You've never given her anything. She doesn't even know who you are. The Battle Royale! Battle Royale! 
Everyone's Patrick, crazy. you said that while you were driving across country, you came up with something dynamite. I'm curious to hear about it. We touched yeah, on it but- earlier. I teased it. I'm excited. Peter's excited. Forrest is also excited, not as much, about the <laughs> fact that the Pentagon has finally said, yes, we've recovered spacecraft. That was not aliens ma- do exist. They yeah. said it flat out. They were not made on this earth. So here's this. Here's the idea. We're going to take it one step farther. A spacecraft lands. Someone's filming it with their iPhone in beautiful okay. Nebraska, where the roads are free of potholes, and <laughs> the door opens. Okay. They have traveled from another solar system. As we explained, it would take eighty thousand years traveling at the speed that we travel in space to get here. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Now, what you're going to do, what we're each going to do is, you know, don't don't limit yourself. I'm not going to say one. I'm not going to say three. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? What does the alien look like? Don't say a little green Martian. Use uh, descriptors from things we know of, frames of reference. Okay. <laughs> Describe and build what you think the aliens will look like when we get a video of them uh, within the next six months. I love this, and I love that it's happening within this next month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh. Since I'm surprising you guys with this, I'm going to nominate Forrest, the broologist, to go first. All right. I like it, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'm a fan. All right, so in my mind, as soon as you started explaining what the challenge was, I, I had a very vivid picture in my mind of a salamander-like creature. Whoa! So, oh yeah, something. I don't know why. I, I have no reason for this. Maybe it's maybe it's the white claw. Maybe it's the beer. I, I couldn't <laughs> tell you. But um, I, I had this vision of this vertically erect bipedal, meaning standing up on two legs for you, Peter. Um, oh yes, I know. Animal. I know. Thank you. That is with with very skinny shoulders. That's very amphibious looking. It's 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 very much like a salamandered head. So it's got this rounded head where a lot of its head is mouth, these very small eyes. Is it selling this, you uh, Geico insurance? It's, yeah, you're, you're on the right vein. That's totally <laughs> okay, where okay. I'm going. It, it's, that's funny. Now, now, it, now you're veering lizard. I'm going much more south, and I don't see it as green. I see it as white for some reason, like, okay. like an opaque, milky, whitish color, like an axolotl, if anybody knows what that is. It's, it's a Mexican salamander that has exposed gills. And then I'm seeing on its neck, like, gill Goodness. slits. Yeah, I, you're asking what okay. I'm seeing. I, I'm, okay. just, I'm, I'm painting a picture for you here. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a breathing apparatus that is unlike what we're familiar with. It would be close, most closely related to gills. Some kind of <laughs> slits along the side of the head, neck region. Very slender, very tall shoulders. Bipedal, like I said, so two-legged. But as you move okay. down the body, I think that this animal, unlike us, Although it's bipedal, it has more of a kangarooish shape. So it's got very, oh. it's it's got yeah. So stay with me now. I'm telling you what I'm thinking yeah, here. So okay. it's got it's got the arms most closely resembling a human being, the ability to use its arms, but for balance and stability, with having these very narrow shoulders and this the slender body. Imagine the lower half of a kangaroo, much thicker, truncated legs. Bending, bending at the knees in a way that a kangaroo would, unlike what we're expecting, and a large base of a tail that it uses for uh, for stability. Okay, I think that sounds fun. Now, why did you go? Is there some sort of mm. reason that you went that way? No, not at all. Mm-mm. That's just what I envisioned. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I I just I envisioned this 
salamander, like soft skin, translucent, sticky, wet, you know, not traditional alien thing, very narrow, but because it has that narrow, slender upper body, that thicker lower body, no hair. I don't, I don't see any Mm-mm. fur or hair. Very, very, yeah, amphibious. Really, I, I feel like the world am- word amphibian describes Mm-mm. what I'm. I don't like here. this. I don't Maybe, like this one. You know bit. what? If you so here's so let me sum it up for the listeners when they vote for my battle royale animal. No way. This uh-uh. is this, my Martian. Is it's a salamander stingray kangaroo. That's how I see it. Skin like a it's, stingray. This is this is madness. You think okay. that a that a salamander stingray kangaroo learned how to fly a spaceship and take Better it here? Than you, Peter. Better Learn than how to you. do interdimensional travel. I do. What does it have the brain of? A bird? I told Sorry. you it's got this massive salamander like head. It's full of brains. Right. It's all brain. It's all, all brains. brains. Okay. Yeah. Ganglion, like on the uh, octopus. So I'll go here next. Here we go. Who's up? So my alien. Is the right one. Already hate it. Ugh. Uh, unfortunately, if you pour salt on it, it's going to disintegrate because let's start with the body of a slug. It's going to look very much slug-like in its body. Um, it's going to travel upon this body uh, that has a long tail, although it will then sort of curve up at, uh, at the end to where the head's going to be, very similar to, let's say, Jabba the Hutt. Um, nice. And it's also going to, okay. much like Jabba the Hutt, have a toad-like face Okay. Um, on a chest that looks very humanoid and little sort of chubby arms like a, a, a chubby toddler. Um, mm-hmm. okay. The head, like Forrest, <laughs> is going to be massive. I mean, it's the, there just has to be so much brain in this animal. Like Forrest once again. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> Basically, if you just Google uh, Jabba the Hutt, that's my okay. that's my creature. You literally just you literally just <laughs> stole Jabba the Hutt. I like I, it. It's a big, ugly slug creature. Yeah, it just okay. feels hardy. It feels like it could survive eighty thousand years in space. And feels hardy, like a nice suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a like a nice blob. Yeah, like a nice bouillabaisse. It's a hardy creature, <laughs> and uh, it's slug like, and it's slimy. It is slimy, and and I think it may live in water. Uh, well, it's nice. traveling through space. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but it makes Th- sense. Thanks. <laughs> it's uh, all right, Peter. I hate ahead. it. Hate it. Also, just spilled my drink. That's great. Um, Not only did you spill your drink, but in the mirror behind you, I saw your dog get very scared. <laughs> He's frazzled. <laughs> He's scared of everything. Um. All right. So my my alien is just a fantastic creature. Um. Comes from a galaxy far away, and the face. It has the face of a naked mole rat, okay? Because okay. the naked ro- mole rat is a very attractive creature. And what? I think that these aliens... Huh? Yeah, no, please continue. I think that these aliens need to be good looking so that we'll receive them well uh, here on Earth because we're a very superficial species. And I think they know that because they've been watching us. Tuning in. <laughs> so perhaps it's, it's, perhaps it's even a shape-shifting um, alien, I and like it that. shows the yeah. naked mole rat to look like because it's just so goddamn attractive. It has, the, uh, it has the body of an um, elderly 70, 70-year-old woman. Uh, if, if, <laughs> Are you picturing it nude? Is it nude? I'm he picturing your mom um, oh, nude, rude. yes. Absolutely. Doris? It has the body of Doris DeLuca. I hope she's listening. <laughs> Include, she does, you, she does listen, by the way. That's, I, that's, I bet this she is listens. brutal. Yeah, she listens. <laughs> she really yeah. does? Yeah. Awful. That's fine. Awful. 
example. Go ahead. This you've is like said your what seventh time making you, jokes about You've her. said what you've said. <laughs> Let's okay. move forward. It's, it's, it's been it said. I mean, I don't really know what her body looks like. I'm just envisioning, you know, That's any right. any older older woman. Don't back. She does. Okay. By the way, I'll have you know she does Zumba online now that COVID's <laughs> happening every motherfucking day, son. <laughs> Excellent. And then, um, you know, I'll, I'll go along the same lines as uh, Forrest. It has big, thick legs. <laughs> So what the fuck are you talking? He didn't say anything big, about thick big, legs. Thick kangaroo, strong, strong legs like a kangaroo. He's drunker than I am. He's that, so drunk. He's just <laughs> saying things. He doesn't even know what he's saying. What I'm not. I have, I have justifications for every selection I've made. Why okay, the thick, why the thick legs? Yeah. <laughs> just because those gas pedals they have to push, it's very taxing. Oh, so they can, the spaceship. They, they can travel at the speed of light, but yet their their hydraulic systems are from the 50s. You want to know why? Because their fucking brains are in their thick legs, Pat, and they need a lot of space in there because they are fucking smart. All right, that's uh that's something. Right. So, okay, let's let's circle back. So, yeah. So if you're a listener, join us on iTunes, the Wild Times Pod. We're on social channels. By the way, if you send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you're going to hear back from us. You're going to hear back from the professor, Peter Fitzer himself. He's going to say what's up to you. Um, Patrick and I read all the messages. So go on one of these platforms, preferably iTunes. Let us know whose alien creature you think is closest, is going to resemble most closely the animal that Patrick has said will land. Uh, here on Earth within the next Wait, six months. That, oh, because it's like going to land now in six months. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's what Patrick said. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, look, I, I, I gargled those words because I've yes. had several beers, but we <laughs> also get what I'm saying. This is the drunkest like, podcast we've it done is. since we were all together. It it's you also, it's, we're going on like two hours. It's insane. <laughs> but all right, regardless, let us vote go, on who go, is the drunkest. Vote. Yeah, we know the answer, Peter. You lose. Um, <laughs> so, but go onto iTunes, leave us a five star review, and let us know: Is it Patrick's job of the hut that travels in water? So lame. Just stole it. Legit copyright infringement. Shut up. <laughs> Shut your butt. Is it? Mate. Is it Mr. Ratep's naked mole rat <laughs> old lady fat legs? Not that old. Not no that old. Theory. Seventy is the new sixty, guys. True. Yes. True. True. Okay. Or yes. is it my? Uh, what did I say? It was a salamander know. stingray kangaroo <laughs> creature. Let us know what you think the alien looks like. I mean, it, it's it's likely none of those, let's be honest, but let us know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Here, shit show. Here's the other thing, the last thing I want to say, guys. This is really, and I think it's the Chardonnay talking, but uh, I really miss doing this in person. Let's uh, let's Should we all just get COVID tests and do the next one together? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. 100%. I, I think I'm it's down. time. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Agreed. For us, listeners, we'll be in Santa Barbara next week. All right. Social distancing. We're going to break it. Might get some tests. Might not. We'll find out. Stay tuned (laughs) next week. uh, Right back here at the Wild Times where we'll be together. We'll be likely even more drunk if we're all sitting in the same room. And until then, (laughs) good night. Good night. Love you. 